Well, hello and welcome back. I'm glad that you have uh, continued to listen to my crazy idea talking about grief and trying to manage through it. My mom has been calling me after every episode, really excited to talk about, you know, whatever it was that I just talked about. And I'm gaining a little bit more popularity, and so I'm, I'm really excited to keep this growing. Today's episode is going to be a little bit heavier, though, so if you can, hold on tight. Grab your drink and snacks, maybe some tissues. This is Good Morning with Becky. I'm starting this episode off with a trigger warning. This episode will have references to suicide. If you or someone you know is suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You can also call or text the lifeline at 988. I originally wanted to talk about Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, and I recorded this episode two times, and had a lot of scattered kind of thinking about the whole thing, you know, the topic, of course, suicide. For those who don't want to hear the S word, unaliving yourself, you know, it's not, it's not a glamorous word. And it's a pretty stigmatized word, if you ask me. A lot of people think that, you know, if you're, you're, you must be weak if you're doing that. It's a crappy way to go. If you're religious, it's automatically shamed. You're going to hell. That's it. I don't want to talk about any of that. Your beliefs are your beliefs. I have my beliefs about it as well. What I want to get to, and what kind of the purpose of this whole podcast is, is to destigmatize all these things. We don't talk about grief. We don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk about these things. But we really, in my opinion, really steer clear from this S word, if you will, calling it that already is putting it kind of off to the side like we don't want to talk about it. But it needs to be talked about because it's happening. It's happening all the time. I'm not someone with statistics and let me remind you all as well, I'm also not any sort of counselor or psychologist or whatever. I'm just an ordinary girl who has gone through a lot of grief, different types of grief, And unfortunately, I have my own story regarding the S word, if you will. So in order to talk about Chester, first I actually have to talk about my brother. They both happened around the same time. Chester Bennington died July 20th, 2017. My brother took his own life September 1st, 2017. Ironically, coincidentally, however you want to say it. September is actually National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. So it's almost like a extra little stab in the heart to know when he decided to do this. Now, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of particulars. It's not entirely my story to tell. But he was my stepbrother. He will be forever 30 years old. And to this day, he's still very much missed. He's the first person I've ever known to take their own life. I've heard of other stories growing up, 
I remember seeing a post that him and his wife had posted on Facebook. They seemed happy. And of course, everybody on social media seems happy. Okay. They had posted pictures of them eating at Buffalo Wild Wings. Classmates of ours had even seen them. I remember days after he had passed, they had messaged me and said, he looked so fine. He looked happy. He looked like he was enjoying himself. He would have never known. That very next morning, who knows what was going on in his mind. But at noon, I had seen on my Facebook, he had posted a picture of him and his son. And he wrote what was basically his goodbye. At that point, me, other people from Facebook messaging me, trying to message him, calling him, trying to find him. And maybe about 15, 20 minutes later, which seemed like forever, his mother-in-law called me to tell me that they'd found him and that they were taking him to the hospital. I was at work when this happened and I had called my mother-in-law to ask her if she could please pick up my son because I needed to go to the hospital and see him. I made my arrangements and as I was leaving, I remember one of my coworkers was like, you cannot drive. And I feel bad. I lied to her and I told her, oh no, someone's coming to pick me up. I just need to get home first and then they'll drive me from there. Nope. I just went on my own because I couldn't think of anybody to drive me. And in reality, honestly, in that moment, I knew I probably shouldn't have been driving. I felt like in just a huge ball of tight emotions. Probably is not the best thing to be doing driving at lunchtime. (laughs) But I did and everything was fine. Of course, getting to the hospital, I see his family and his in-laws and everyone's crying. And I already know. I already know. But I ask anyways, is he okay? And there's no real answer. I already know. So I sit there waiting for more family to get there. And I happened to see actually another classmate of ours who happened to be at the hospital for, I'm not sure if some testing or whatnot. He had asked if I was okay and I just fell apart. How do you tell somebody that not only are they gone, not only have they died, right? But that they chose a way out and that they they did it. Let's just say it to kill the stigma one more time, okay? They committed suicide. That is the reality. And so, me and this classmate, he hugs me, cry a little bit, tells me it's going to be okay, you let me know if you need something. After that, 
I had so much rage and I never experienced. I'm not, if you know me personally, you know I'm not an angry person. If I get angry, it's pretty quick. I simmer down pretty quickly. But I've never, I, I'm not an instigator. I've never gotten in a fight. And all I wanted to do for at least a week is break things. You know those like, uh, like those places that you can, uh, they have all that glass. You can just break stuff or you can get an axe and just ha- like, just trash the place. Like I needed to be there for at least a good two days. I had so much rage and anger and frustration. I was mad as hell. And I wanted to, I I remember even telling a couple of people in family, I want to punch the crap out of somebody. I, I don't care who. I didn't want a punching bag. I wanted to treat someone like a punching bag. I remember thinking, I have never felt this way before. And I, it's almost like an out of body experience and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I feel so sick. I know this is grief, but what the heck, man? This is different. I wasn't sad, wasn't depressed. I was furious. So from here is really a, a turning point in my my grief journey, if you will. Because I had remembered Chester Bennington had died just right before that. Chris Cornell had also died in the same manner, but I wasn't a uh, huge Soundgarden fan, so (laughs) that's why I'm bringing up Chester. So I dove into a huge old rabbit hole down the internet, mostly YouTube, just watching different videos. There was a lot of videos that I found at the beginning of my, of my, my rabbit hole. There was a lot of videos that I found from Chester's wife, Talinda Bennington. And she had created an organization that, you know, is another lifeline of resources for people who feel like they just can't do it anymore. And she recognizes the signs now, but she said to herself that that day, she didn't think that there was anything wrong. You know, she had already gone through years of seeing Chester have depressive um, times. He's had problems with addictions and uh, depression was a big thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a surprise in the sense that there is something mentally wrong with him. Right. But she still didn't think that he would actually do it. And so she's a big advocator now for getting people help, whether it's mental health, whether it's like you need medications or whatever, if you need that person to talk to, whatever it is, she's a big advocator for that. And so after my brother had died, I had decided every time this conversation comes up, I am going to talk about it. And I'm gonna talk about it, of course, in remembrance for my brother, for anyone else that I might know, for Chester, for all these people who have decided that it wasn't worth living anymore. And it's sad. It's really sad 
that we can't save everybody, right? I know I've heard stories too going down that same rabbit hole. I, there are so many stories on YouTube where a lot of people have attempted and for whatever reason, I'm going to say it from my, from my belief, by the grace of God, okay, they were given another chance. They might have incurred injuries that are non-reversible. They might um, have gotten away with it without any injury at all. But there are so many stories that you can find of these people who they wanted to end it all and it didn't work out. And now they see there's that that was not the way. They see that they can get help. They're seeing like a brighter light at the end of the tunnel instead of just darkness. And those are the stories that I love getting shared. It's very easy, I think, for us to say to somebody who's depressed, oh, it's going to be okay. Or just don't feel bad. Watch a Disney movie and feel better. You know, it's, it's easy for someone who doesn't understand what darkness and depth of depression feels like. And I know we all struggle. Everybody is on a struggle bus. I'm going to tell you that right now. But some people struggle harder than others. Some people struggle longer than others. And sometimes some people just don't have the resilience to keep on. Of course, down the rabbit hole, I've also found a lot of videos from TED Talks about this topic. Somebody was talking about how they just want to give up and they're tired of fighting. And their therapist, I guess, had said, it's not, you're not fighting. Because when you're fighting, there's a problem and you're fighting to overcome it. But all you're doing is surviving. And I thought that's an interesting one. It's an interesting way to see it. Instead of just trying to just wade through the pool and just trying to like, I'm just gonna make it one more day, one more day, one day. We really gotta figure out what the problem is. And in order to figure out what the problem is, sometimes it's kind of difficult, in my opinion, right? Because we tell people, if you're feeling this way, call for help. But have you ever needed help with something before? Like, this is a good one. This is a good example. I am very guilty of this, okay? You go grocery shopping and you start shopping and you got like 10 bags and you got to park on the street. Maybe you live in an upstairs apartment and you're like, Ugh, I don't want to keep going back and forth. I'm going to just pile it on and hope for the best. I am super, super guilty of this. I do not live in an upstairs. I would probably make that way worse if I did. But I am so guilty of that. And as soon as I start piling on stuff, you know, my family goes, what are you doing? What if you drop something? What if you break something? What if you hurt yourself? But in my head, I know I could ask for help. There's three other people at my house. I could ask for help easy. I could ask, just, all I need is one person, two extra arms. I could ask for help. But instead I choose not to because really at the end of the day some of it is some of its pride I got this 
it's okay. I'll figure it out. Some of it is, well, I don't want to burden everybody. It's hot outside right now, you know? Right now it's it's the evening and it's still hot in the uh, desert Arizona. So I don't want to bother people. Everybody's nice and cool and, and doing their thing at, inside. Let me be the one that suffers, okay? I don't want anybody to have to go out there and help me and stuff, but they are right. What if something happens? I'm going to be so upset at myself if I, because I have done this, if I drop a soda and it bursts out. Now I got to go back and get more. Or I got to just deal with, oh, I just dropped that soda. It was so stupid. What if I'm carrying all these things and I bump into something or a dog comes and I don't see him. He comes and bites me. Okay. Now I'm suffering. And it could have been avoided, right? All because I just didn't want to ask. Okay. I think everybody is guilty of that in some way. So I do, I do think it's necessary to tell people if you think somebody is suffering, ask for help, right? But also remember how hard it is to ask for the help in the first place. It's difficult. And so sometimes we're also told you need to reach out and check up on them. That's when you really need to know the person, I think, that you're reaching out to. Because it's also very easy to tell people, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. That's another thing we're guilty of, too, every morning. Hey. Hey, man, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing good. You just don't want to burden the other person with what's really going on and the opposite is well you really don't want to listen sometimes to what somebody else has to say if there is something wrong just kind of saying it just in passing we really got to think about the things that we're saying i remember having an issue hearing people after somebody has passed away I'm so sorry for your loss. Let me know if you need anything. Because sometimes we just say that kind of blindly. And I'm not sure that we're really thinking about, well, if they call, what is it that can, that I can't provide? Can I provide my time and listening? If they're having a struggle getting their house clean. It's very difficult sometimes for people in grief to remember that they need to take out the trash or even eat. Could you provide that? Maybe that's just kind of a general topic in itself. You know, sometimes we just have to think about the things that we're saying. But it's good to it's good to point that out, I think. Now, originally I had said that I wanted to talk about Chester talked about my brother and the reason I wanted to talk about Chester is because a lot of people say we didn't see the signs we didn't know now I understand his family didn't know that in his head he already probably had a plan and carried it out but I will say that everybody knew fans knew that 
he has had a very public struggle that turned into music. And the reason I wanted to talk about Chester is because I love the fact, now that I'm going back and looking at these songs and really reading these lyrics, stuff that we were singing when we were in high school, okay, I'm in my mid-30s, okay, when they came out with Hybrid Theory, um, such a good album, right? But looking back on a lot of those songs like Numb or In the End, some of this stuff is written so well to describe somebody's inner struggle. Someone who was in the middle of actually struggling was able to write a song and get it to connect to thousands of other people in the world, really. And it was so relatable. And I know that, like, when you're a teenager, everything's so dramatic. I get that. And I think for my generation, we had a lot of music that was very emo, I guess, if you will. And I'm not calling, I'm not calling Linkin Park emo. But we got a lot of motions out, I think, in the 2000s. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But... A lot of these artists, and even new new artists now, I found so many songs that just are written so well when they talk about grief or depression or even the idea of just dying, right? Written so well, and there's so many fans that can connect, right? His loss was a deep hit, I think, to a lot of people because we saw somebody who was suffering but I think we all felt like we were all suffering together. And it's a kind of a scary thing to think about, I guess, if you think, well, if he couldn't do it, what's to say that I can't do it either? But in his songs, there was also some hope. And I hope that the fans... And I hope that anybody who might be listening to this, who might also be struggling, might know that there really is hope. We've lost lots of other artists and public figures and stuff to suicide. The one that we lost most recently that was the most gut-wrenching was the Green Ranger, Jason David Frank. And that was kind of hard too because you saw him, he was very outgoing, he was always trying to talk about having a positive mindset. My son and I met him at Comic-Con once and he was the nicest guy. So down to earth. But you gotta remember everybody suffers. So what can we do? Of course, find all the resources you can. Why? My favorite resource that I found once my brother passed away was be the one com. It's got different things on how to tell if, you know, the, the warning signs or make a plan if you think that someone might be going that route. The importance of self-care. There's even a area for suicide loss survivors. And of course, this section talks about going to 
talk to somebody, whether it's a mental health professional, friends, family, the clergy, whoever it might be, support groups, online support groups. I hope that you find this podcast as an online support group. And it also says here, take your time. And I love that. It says here, you may be feel you may feel pressured to discuss your loss with people. You may not want to soon after it occurs. This is understandable and it is important to remember that you can take as long as you need before you openly talk about your loss. And I think that's true with any kind of loss. There is no timetable for when you should feel the need to talk about it or stop talking about it. But do find other people to talk to, I think. Your feelings are valid. And, you know, when I said that I had this rage and stuff, I found so many, like I said, going down that rabbit hole, I found so many other videos of people saying that they felt that same anger too. They were angry because they couldn't stop them or because that they were angry at the choice that was made. But your feelings are your feelings and you should definitely get them out because I tell you from experience, holding everything in is not going to help. The subject probably will come back up again in another episode. I'm sure it will. And of course, when September comes around, I'll be posting about suicide awareness prevention and whatnot. When this subject comes around, I don't hesitate really to talk about it. Although recording this has been a little bit uh, challenging. I guess uh, really saying it out loud for people makes it a little bit more realer. Realer. I probably, I, that's not English. And of course it's been years. It's 2017. It's been years since it happened. I already know my brother is gone. But like I have said other, other times too, you know, grief, it's sometimes it comes when you don't want it to. I had mentioned that light of hope that Chester had written about a few times. And so I'll end with this. There was a song from that last album that they came out with called One More Light. And I actually hadn't heard it. After he had passed away, I kind of didn't really want to hear the new album. Because it was sad to hear, for me, it was sad to hear words from a man who wasn't going to ever sing them again. But this week I decided to listen to it and I read the words as I listened. And once again, I'm such a music nerd, they're just written so beautifully. But if you look at the chorus, it says, If they say, who cares if one more light goes out? In the sky of a million stars, it flickers, flickers. Who cares when someone's time runs out? If a moment is all we are, or quicker, quicker. Who cares if one more light goes out? Well, I do. 
I'm sad for all the lights that have gone out, but I am happy knowing that there are more lights going and that can be saved, I think. Let me know how many tissues you went through listening to this podcast. I appreciate you listening. Of course, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. You can also email me at goodmorningbecky at gmail.com. Remember, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. There's also, if you're on Spotify, there are question and answer segments and polls that you can participate in. Thank you. This is Good Morning with Becky. Thank you.